Hey guys, welcome back to the 429 Podcast. I'm nine. I'm four. I'm two. And today we'll be talking about a very interesting topic with the uh, given time zone right now. Virtual schooling versus classrooms. And, and the battle between the two. So as you know, this is the time of year. If you're underage, time to pack up, time to get back to school, and time to uh, hit the books. And if you're, you know, slightly older, you dread those times. And you probably still remember that cold feeling of waking up at 6 a.m. just to meet the bus. Mm. Uh, so either way, this affected one point, either past, present, or the future. But with the whole climate today, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic has changed a lot more, not just with our health, but even with our education. And now we got a lot of kids taking the opportunity of taking virtual classrooms. Huge yep. change across the nation, across the world. And for some... It's a, it's a very dramatic change for others. It's something, a simple transition, but let's talk about it. Let's see realistically, let's take it uh, case by case. What is fundamentally better for students and what's the concerns and issues? Uh, but before we jump in, I just want to mention that, you know, we are on multiple major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, the works, and Instagram, Instagram as well. And if we're available on all major po- podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now Amazon, a new, a new platform that just started out. So if you want to check us out and you want to see where we're available at, check us out at the429podcast.com. And even the- if you don't want to download our podcast or, or just stream it, you guys can actually just go straight to YouTube, type in the429podcast. We have a YouTube channel as well. You guys can watch all our episodes. They're all there, all mm-hmm. same format as well. And exactly. feel free to like, subscribe, leave us comments. We respond to everything. So go for it. Once again, check us out at the429podcast.com. All links are there. Anyway, let's hit the topic. Today is education, physical versus virtual. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so off the bat, we're talking about the, 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 pros, uh, the status of this right now. As you, you and I, uh, four, two, and nine, you know, all of us here, we have kind of been lucky enough to kind of leave the school system with a physical education, I guess to say. We yep. pretty much had our whole education taken us the traditional way, in a classroom, the at a physical location, for the most part, yes, at a classroom at a physical location with physical eye-to-eye conversations, you know, the way it's been done since our forefathers have done. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, everything's moving to a Zoom classroom, you know? Why? Because, you know, social distancing, you know, it's a lot easier threat of virus and stuff like that but uh what is really the difference between the two uh two what do you, you want to explain the major highlight differences quickly off the yeah. bat so i guess for one i think there's certain advantages and disadvantages when you do you know home uh when you do online homeschooling versus whether you're doing education physical schooling right yeah. although you may have access to the same teachers you may have access to the same homework assignments and everything like that there's the interaction piece that we're first first off losing Right, 100%. so the whole social, so the whole social aspect thing. I mean, we all we all became friends because we were all in the same computer science class together, and we were like, oh, "That's a good point. That's a good right? point. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of yep. hard to make friends with like your classmates if you're not really just like in there together, right? Seeing people over a Zoom call is very different than sitting right next to them, going, "Hey, what you got on question three? Right? Like, it's it's a very different dynamic and atmosphere in that sense. The second thing I would say is that it gives certain advantages and disadvantages, right? Yeah. So it's like most students may not have a quiet space in the house to work, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, mom, dad, maybe working from home now. Maybe you have an older or younger sibling who's also doing, like, schooling. 100%. It's, it's kind of hard to, for everyone to have their each individual space, right? And let's not forget, it also puts a huge, huge, huge burden on your internet lines right yeah yeah, that's like just your internet lines itself like if you don't have a good enough internet plan right it having five eight people on the internet all at the same time you're gonna get some shitty connection speeds right 100 percent. and not as many people are super fortunate to get the highest end package right they may have to settle for like the 20 to the 2020 megabyte package of 30 30 especially in the rural parts of these countries in the united states it's very hard to even get just like, um, what's it called? Fiber optics, right? They're still on dial-up internet out there. So it really makes you just wonder how equal this footing will really be. And that's what worries me personally, because you can have a really, really talented student, right? But because of his circumstances and how he's stuck in, you know, middle of like Arkansas in the United States, 
he may not have the same rural impact. He may not have the same advantages as a student who's maybe sitting in New York City, right? So it's like that I think will be unfortunate outcome of this. We I understand why we are down this route for obvious reasons because of the whole, you know, pandemic and just general precaution we are taking at this uh, day and time. But I think this is definitely going to hamper and it's going to have a lot of ripple effects for ed- the education system down the line. But mm-hmm. for let me toss it over to you. What do you think? You know, I think you're totally right. Um, a lot of your students, when it comes to more virtual learning um, that are going to be kind of hindered by this, are your students that don't have access to technology, high-speed internet, right? So this might be a lot of your um, socioeconomically struggling families or families in areas that may not actually have even those resources available to them, even if they can't afford them, right? Maybe they have all the money in the world. You know, if the internet lines just aren't there, you know, they're not getting that high-speed internet, regardless of how much they're going to pay for it, right? So these are, yeah. these, are, these are problems that I think really should have been addressed sooner, right? I find that a lot of the school systems in the country really handled this very poorly. And I mean, you know, it was about time to go back to school and there was still no solid answer on what was going to happen. I mean, I feel like a lot of these issues should have been handled months ago, right? Schools have been closed since March in the United States. Why is it that, you know, come August, they still were trying to figure out what to do, right? I mean, they had plenty of time. If they would have decided, hey, let's go ahead and turn school to virtual, right? Maybe they could have readjusted budgets, right? Instead of tra- instead of paying for transportation and, you know, like electricity bills and food bills for students coming to school, right? Maybe transfer some of those fees. Maybe go ahead and make sure that students that don't have internet have internet. Make sure that students that don't have technology, like laptops, can have access to those things, right? I mean, there's so much extra money to go around when buildings are closed and you don't have all those extra expenses. I feel like if they really wanted to, they could have easily taken care of a lot of these issues. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I do see the point where a lot of people want to go back to school, right? Your your actual education being at home, especially in the primary education system, you know, maybe college can be a little bit of an exception. Um, but in the primary education system, a lot of it is social interactions. That is what a lot of your school experience is. It's learning how to interact with other people, learning how to interact with different types of people. Right. It's a really, really good kind of experience and opportunity to just learn how to be a person and interact with others. Um, So taking that away, especially from people now entering the school system for the first time, you're really young kids. I think that's going to have a really kind of negative impact on them down the line. So although I can see why they wanted to wait as long as possible to make some of these decisions, I do think that they should have handled some of these things sooner to make the transition smoother. Yeah, to your point, right? Like, you have some school systems. I was reading this the other day. If I find the article, I'll link it to you guys after this recording. But there was this one school system, this neighborhood school, that took all the neighborhood houses and set up their own mesh LAN network, right? Mm -hmm. Which is dope because now you have equal footing for all those students in the community who are attending the school, right? Yep. But like you said, right, in New York City, that's near to impossible, right? You have students commuting from all over the city. It's hard to do that. But, like, I see your point there. And there, these decisions, you're right, these were crucial decisions that should have been made earlier. And I guess for one reason or another, whether it was political or not political or whether it was really just how the school systems wanted to go about it, whether how they wanted to portray it, right, they chose to make these decisions very, very late. At least I know in New York, didn't even make these decisions till mid-August. And school starts usually the beginning of September. Believe it or not, they delayed the school starting this week to next week. Yeah, they did. Just because they weren't ready, right? Yep. And- I, I, another thing I remember, like, a lot of these schools have very, I mean, it depends on the school, of course, but a lot of these schools have very old, like, like legacy systems, right? They, oh, they can't, horrible systems. Horrible systems. I mean, we, we can attest to that for some of us, but they just, that- can't, they just can't transform, like, that quick, even with transferring budgets, because their budget isn't that big, even with the new allocations. Unfortunately, there was like that Florida uh, student who literally DDoSed his high school, right? He got arrested. He got arrested, but to be fair, he pointed out a a crucial vulnerability in their school network that I think they should not point it out. And now there's actually discussions going around that the school system should actually be revamped by these private corporations such as Amazon and Google, 
right, to actually build out their infrastructure and architecture for these cool systems that should make it a maintainable system. Yeah. And, you know, That's this, all, you know, and this is a really good point, right? Because you got to take into account when you're going virtual with all of these different schooling systems, right? The infrastructure security, as well as just the infrastructure capabilities, they really matter, right? I mean, you can't have hundreds and thousands of students on like the virtual infrastructure of the school. And then, you know, all of a sudden, anyone with a laptop can come around and DDoS your school network, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're denying education to all those students in your area, right? So if some random high school student can come along and decide he wants to DDoS the school and take down the whole system, right? Imagine what something like a nation state or organized crime groups could do or someone with a little bit more experience and knowledge, right? I mean, I really do think uh, ed tech security, right, education technology security is a really big kind of point that not a lot of people really think about. And I mean, I know we've been to conferences and heard some really good talks on them. And I do think the private sector has some really good solutions that should be looked into more than they currently are for protecting the kind of integrity of your school systems. You know, oh, you know, you know speaking on top of that, you know, there is one corporation recently that has made some push toward education. I don't know if you guys heard this, but T-Mobile has said they're going to be trying to offer free internet to a lot of the students yeah. who are in dire need. Yep. And I think that's a great, great push from T-Mobile. Yeah, counter your point there, right? Another corporation that's doing that is Verizon. So Verizon's actually giving out like these files hotspots to students in need, yep. right? To actually give them a stable enough internet connection for them to work, right? Which I think is fantastic because these students really need it. And we already seen school systems already providing iPads or laptops or whatever the hell they have, right? To actually get the students acclimated enough to speed yep. for like their transition to work to from a transition to uh, going to school from home. But I think the biggest piece that we're missing here, right, is I think from an educational perspective, I think the quality may or may not change. But something I definitely want to address, and I know this is really big in New York City school systems, not really sure how it is around the nation, but New York City school systems, you know, it's the whole food perspective, right? So hot meals that are provided to, you know, lesser fortunate students makes up a big proponent of the lunch program that New York City schools run, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was really nice that during the pandemic, they still had schools running those programs. And, like, students can actually go and just pick up their food and go home with it, right? Which was really nice in the months of March through um, July. What I would love to see is the New York City Department of Education continuing this program, right? And continuously helping these students because that's the other, you know, advantage, disadvantage kind of thing. If you're from a more fortunate family, thankfully, you don't have to worry about having food on your table, right? And going across this. But when you have students who come from these, you know less fortunate backgrounds, right? Yep. It's it's hard for them to even just focus on school because they may not have eaten. You don't know what, they don't know when their next meal is coming or when their last meal was, right? You know, I so, see this as another big opportunity for companies to kind of step in and help, right? So, I mean, we saw people like T-Mobile and Verizon are kind of helping giving out internet to, to underprivileged students. Um, of course, of course. And that's great, right? I mean, these T-Mobile and Verizon are probably some of the, you know, companies that might have actually benefited most from the pandemic. As bad as it is, a lot of companies have actually benefited from the pandemic because, I mean, everyone's using internet right now more than they ever have, right? So, I mean, I'm sure these, I can only imagine the type of increase in sales that they've seen, right? Houses that have multiple people home now have to increase their service plans, right? Like offices uh, ramping up their virtual infrastructure, right? Like, I mean, they're probably seeing larger than ever sales, uh, sales numbers. But, you know, that being said, I mean, I feel like a really great opportunity would be for someone like Uber to step in or DoorDash to step in, right? And I mean, maybe to put some like credits towards students that don't have the ability to kind of, you know, eat in the school district that need it. Or even if they just use their their network of delivery drivers to maybe actually deliver meals to these students that might not be able to, you know, go to the school for health reasons, but still need to eat, right? I mean, like they have a huge network of delivery drivers. Like that's what they do. They deliver food. Um, and I feel like that would have been a really DoorDash cool on top of this, yeah. Like, you could get Uber and DoorDash on top of this. Maybe Uber or DoorDash could work out a license with the New York State Department of Education, for example, yep. and be like, hey, there's all these hot meals. Go deliver them, and we'll pay you your standard fee of $10 a meal to just go deliver it, right? Yep. Like, that would be really awesome to actually have done to help those students who are in more remote areas get access to food and get access to these basic necessities for them to do well in school, right? And, you know, everybody wins there, right? You've got delivery drivers who otherwise might not have had the work. You've got students now getting to stay home, getting to be safe, still getting the food, 
right? The school district still gets to spend their budget so they can keep it for next year, right? Like, everybody wins. 100%. I got yeah. the ideal situation would be, like, basically corporations competing with each other to kind of one-up each other towards the benefit of the schools. I guess the one problem I see in this whole plan, right? Like, I yeah. love how we can always talk about this. We always have the solution ready in hand, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the people who are sitting on the school boards have also thought of the similar solutions, right? To partner oh, yeah. with these corporations and stuff. The big problem is, and we've seen this everywhere we go, right? It's just a bunch of, you know, internal politics that really cause this not to happen. Yep. So I've personally worked um, with the New York City Department of Education in a role by my nearest school district, right? Yeah. And... Right. There was just a lot of just internal pol- politics that I was just observing. I don't really participate in that kind of stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. like just observing and just watching and it's just really shitty things that really just piss me off when I'm sitting there as a, I think I was 17 when I was doing this. Right. Yep. As like a 17 year old, just sitting there and listening and just watching and observing all this. Like perfect example. There was this air conditioner debate we were having. The, one of the nearby schools, one of the nearby middle schools by me needed new air conditioners, right? Yep. Yeah. So the proposal was to just get it. So usually the way they work is they do contract bidding, right? Mm-hmm. So they're yeah. doing, so different contractors are bidding. Oh, I'll do an air conditioner for $500 a piece. Or I'll do it for $300 a piece. I'll do it for $400 a piece, right? Mm-hmm. Eventually they settled on the $400 a piece for an air conditioner, right? Mm-hmm. To just come install and do all that, right? But as I'm sitting there listening, I go, Hold up one second. PC Richards giving the same air conditioner for 50 bucks, right? Like, why the hell are we paying an extra 350 when you could just pay $50 an air conditioner and get maybe three times the number of air conditioners for the whole school? Hell, you could have a whole air conditioned gym based off that, right? Mm-hmm. And so the main con- and do, do you know what was the reply I got back? What? Oh, they're not in the contracts. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? All this inter- like, that's my biggest pet peeve of. The whole school system as it stands so now is all this internal BS, I would say, that's like... It's a bureaucracy. Hey, exactly. Why Why is it that, you know, we get this $50 air conditioner and just plug it into the school and call it a day, whereas it's $150, it's $400 that this contractor who's going to get the same $50 air conditioner and do that and pocket the $350, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, and you guys know how schools operate. They're not buying, like, one air conditioner unit. They're buying like a thousand units, right? They're buying bulk. So that's a lot of money on the table that they're just giving away. And it's horrendous. Man, I wish I got one of my old school principals on this uh, recording tonight because they would tell you a lot more in depth of me and me and her had a conversation and she just told me all the BS that went through throughout her 30 years in the school district, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's And it's like, it's just amazing how much the school districts and I would say, and I think it's the cause of the education system and the whole United States has really lagged behind on the education systems as compared to China, India, and other, other um, European nations, because we have all this internal BS that's blocking all this shit, right? We have like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be difficult to get a student a laptop, for no. example, right? Yeah, 100%. A student should not have to fill out four forms and get the laptop and call it a day. And the school shouldn't be budgeting in all of a sudden, oh, we need to give each student, you know, this laptop, right? Mm-hmm. Because the money's already there. The money is already allocated for these school systems. And what pisses me off is there's just so much wastage and there's so much BS and these internal politics that go around that really hamper productivity. And at the end of the day, it hampers the education of the students at the end of the day, which yeah. pisses me off nothing more, right? As we've seen over the years, the U.S. education system sadly has been going down year over year over year. Why? I would say the biggest cause for that is all this internal BS that's going around like, hey, let's get the $450 air conditioner instead of the $50 one, even though it's the same air conditioner. But you have to go through these specific city contractors who may know better and how these buildings work and everything, whereas I can go and just buy it myself. And the biggest pet peeve I have out of all of this is the stipulations teachers have. Teachers are not able to go and like spend their own money for essential supplies for school, mm-hmm. for school classrooms, right? Yeah. We've seen that in classrooms all over the United States. I'm not just saying for New York City. I've seen it in New York City, but I've seen it in Houston, Texas, right? During Hurricane Harvey. I've seen it recently in Louisiana. I've seen it in California. I've seen it all over the United States. I can't really speak for the rest of the world, but at least in the United States, we've seen this. And it sucks when a teacher can't get a 
pack of chalk to write on the chalkboard or some dry erase markers to actually teach the lesson, right? Yep. But then they're more than willing to go drop $400 in an air conditioner when they could get the $50 one instead of spending the extra $350 for more supplies, right? Mm -hmm. It's just all this internal crap that really builds up. And sorry to go off on a tangent here, but like, I think that's the biggest issue we have with the solutions. I think what we have are genius, right? They're amazing solutions. Getting Google to do a partnership, getting Verizon to do a partnership, get Uber to do something. You know, hell, um, Elon Musk for the longest time was like, the school system education is crap. Let's fix it, right? Yeah. But it's all this internal BS that's denying them this ability to fix it. And I don't know how to fix that internal BS, but let me toss it over to you guys. I've been ranting for like 10 minutes now. What do you say for it? What do you want to say? You know, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right. There's there's just so much bureaucracy and slowdown and kind of like gunkage up in a lot of these uh, systems. And I, I really do think you're probably right that this kind of is the cost. Um, and this is why a lot of our education systems um, aren't number one on you know every metric when even though they have the proper amount of funding, or more funding than the people who are, you know, doing better than the schools that are doing better than them. I think it really all comes down to just wasteful spending and bureaucracy. So, um, Nine, do you want to comment on that real quick? Yeah, I mean, honestly, two hit hit it on the nail. Like, um, it's just there. I mean, we're not the first to come up with this. Like, we're, we're clearly not the first. We're not, not the last. Yeah, we're not the last either. There have been solutions. There has been proposals how to fix education system for years partnerships um full-on uh projects you know uh you know and i seen these partnerships in first hand um especially in my school i could talk at least in my local district uh they have partnerships with apple by its ipads and mm-hmm. other technologies to help students and it's done a great service in some in some aspects for some students but that's just one of the billion of pro- partnerships that actually went through and the other yep. ones fell apart like because of the internal bureaucracy and the the what's it called? He said, she said, uh, issues are going all the time behind closed doors. So true, and it's and it's just something we can't fix. It's not something you and yeah. I can't fix. It's something that one person cannot. Fix. I think there is one way to maybe kind of help with this. You really just need to get a superintendent or someone high up in the school system to just go along with it, right? You just need some Look, superintendent you... to say, listen, you know what? You can order stuff on Amazon now. Go ahead, go ahead, like. Unless be, someone's gonna stop you, like just do it, and you just need you just need the okay from somebody with the authority to actually like make stuff happen. You know, just so give let me the tell okay you this. and let it happen. So then, let me tell you this for from my perspective, right? I was sitting at this table with the superintendent on my right and the principal on the left. I was sitting right in the middle, right? Yep. Yeah. And as we discussed this, we brought it up. The superintendent's all for it. The principal is all for it. Everyone's for this idea, right? Even Perfect. the parents are for this idea. So just do Perfect. it. Do it. Let go. Yeah, Here's trying. a problem, though. Here's a problem, though. What? The superintendent's boss, the chancellor of the the chancellor of schools, can't go with it. Why? Because there's policies written on that front. There's policies written from the chancellor's office in New York City that don't allow this to happen. There's policies written from the mayor of New York City to not allow this to happen. And moreover, if they do go around these routes, the other issue it causes is that there's problems at the federal level and that New York City Department of Education can lose federal dollars actually going through these routes and that's why they have to go through these city contracting routes and shit so you go to the top and they work down so you gotta go to i guess the the education secretary in the united states now who's betsy devos right you know like and you have to go from her and work all the way down i still i still (laughs) believe best way to do it is to just do it and make them stop you they want to try to take funding let them try and take it bring them to court that's it just let it play out you know, it's never going to change if you don't make it change. So, I mean, you should, someone someone needs to just stop, needs to just shut up and do it. Just do it. But the problem is, even the teachers, the the and bless these teacher souls, right? Even these teachers who are going and making this change and doing it, right? What's happening? They're getting fired, right? They're leaving the school districts, right? And they're going to school districts out on Long Island, right? More towards you guys because there's a little more flexibility there. Or they're going towards school districts that are outside of New York, maybe towards upstate New York that are more well, smaller. And handling it there, See, right? It needs, to, it needs to be a whole change. That's why I said if you have someone trusted at the top, a superintendent, and he says yes and just gives everyone below him the okay, you know, maybe he'll take the fall for it. Maybe he won't. But, I mean, when you let when you just let that, when you let it happen and let that beast loose, I mean, it's like lightning in a bottle. There's no there's no capturing it once it gets out. It's <laughs> so hard. It's but anyway, yeah. 
nine, what else do we have on the list regarding education versus uh, in the physical and virtual sense? So we kind of talked about, you know, to top it off to our viewers, we kind of talked about the differences and stuff like that and what is really virtual and what is you know, classroom. You know, that was pretty self-explanatory. But let, let's talk about the advantages of both. Now, we, we have the two choices in front of us, right, unfortunately. Let's just say these are the two choices we have right now because they are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in my case, actually, my 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 brother, right, he actually had a choice. Uh, I'm not sure every school, every student in, in America had this choice, but he actually had a choice, mm-hmm. either virtual or classroom, right? So uh, a lot of students and a lot of parents, especially, are going to be facing this choice or have faced this choice. And, you know, it's, I think it's a good idea for them listening, listening, what exactly are the cons and the pros for each choice. So let's, let's go off with, you know, let's go off with the one we know, classrooms, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to list off some of, what do you think, quick advantages of classroom setting? Yeah. Classroom, obvious advantages, the whole social atmosphere, right? The mm-hmm. whole goofing off atmosphere, right? It, it's a change of pace when you're outside the, when you're outside the home, you know? It lets you maintain more of a routine schedule than it yeah. would if you were than if you would be virtual. It also lets you be, I guess, more presentable and teaches you other social skills and life skills in general. Like, you know, you were saying you had to take the six a.m. bus, right? So, God help you in that regard, because I don't know how you did that. But like taking the six a.m. bus as a fourth or fifth grader, right? It's like, all right, yeah. You know, it starts to instill like responsibility and, you know just more just responsibility some independence in you to actually get up in the morning get ready get get pack all your stuff and get ready for school and 100%. eat breakfast right 100% whereas in the virtual sense you don't have that advantage right now to do all that i mean you could still be like disciplined about it but there's no consequences if you're not if you're not uh, right? yeah uh, yeah 100% whereas in the classroom sense like if i wasn't disciplined about it shit i just missed the bus i'm going to be late to school right in Choose the virtual in the virtual sense it's like Ah uh, shit! I didn't get up and brush my teeth. I'll brush it after my third, my fourth class or something, right? Nothing, nothing's more terrifying when you're a kid and you miss the bus and the walk of shame going back to your house and being like, <laughs> and someone dropped me to school. I missed the bus. <laughs> oh, you know you're going in your head while you walk. Or in my back. case, or in my case, I used to take public transport, the MTA buses, right? Oh really? Oh man, the amount of times if you don't get the early bus, the other buses that are just so packed. And they just skipped the stop. Man, I just walked to school one day and I was like, I, sh- I missed the first four periods. I was oh, like, oh, your fault. Like, it, they just skipped you. They just skipped me. I couldn't do anything. I got to get up earlier. So yeah, it's dude, like. It was Spider Man style. Just grab onto the side and then just fucking. Honestly. But yeah, so I think those would be the key advantages of like the, uh, the mm-hmm. physical classroom. So right? basically, like, you know, social skill learning, uh, discipline learning. It's a more hands on experience and, you know, you know, basically building a, a, a skill set outside of just, you know, education, right? Just life skills, right? Yeah. You're, you're kind of just learning how to be a, a human. Yeah. Like how, to, how to be a member of society. I right? mean, that's pretty much what the goal of education in the grand scheme should be, right? How to provide a functioning adult. Yep. The end of the day. Yeah, like you may not use trig in your day-to-day job. You're not going to know about, like, all these, like, little nuances things that we did, like photosynthesis, right? The like, Lord of Flies did not help me in any way after learning it. I didn't even read that book, right? So, like, <laughs> you see all this stuff and everything. Like, yes, it may develop into your hobbies or some passions outside, right? Yeah. Like, I, I still love Greek mythology ever since I took that class or in careers. high school, right? Hmm? Or, or careers. 100%. Like, Trig is helpful for me, personally. But, like, it's, it's different, right? These are just life skills. All those education skills, to be honest with you, you got Google. You could go read it up on it and pick it up. It's not really a big deal. Um... But, like, these life skills are something that Google can't teach you. Google can't teach you, you know, how to discipline yourself to wake up in the morning and catch the bus. Google can't... I mean, there's some wiki houses. Yeah, but Google can't <laughs> Google can't give you that feeling of the walk of shame to your yeah, dad. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a one-in-a-lifetime experience that I've done multiple times, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's all these little, little things that... It, it's the human nature and the human experience that I think you're really losing touch with here. Which I, is kind of sad in, in a sense, right? Because yep. school is more than just the classes you go to. 100%. I mean, you know, a lot of students would tend to differ. You know, I know a lot of students that I've seen firsthand just see as like uh, kind of like a nine to three class and I go. But I would hope that if any, if any students out there listening, please like take that extra step to really expand your skill set socially or um, education-wise. Look, but, uh, 
I hated high school. I went to school in the morning. I came back at night. I was like, I called it a day. I was like, F it. I'm doing shit, right? Yeah. But it's, but it's like, at the same time, I still had my group of friends. I still had my group of nerds, right? I still, I did like research competitions and stuff. I still had my group of researchers and business folks and DECA and all these guys, right? And like, I, I had these, I had like my little small nerd community, right? Yeah. Right? So even though I just dipped and went home, still like Friday night, I was still hanging out with a bunch of buddies, right? Are um, you mad in school? Yeah, exactly. So, I think you lose that touch now with this yeah. whole virtual setting. But there are advantages to virtual. I can go we'll, and rattle off about we'll go, that. We'll go on that a little bit later. For what do you mm-hmm. anything you want to add based on what two said? No, I mean I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. You know, like I said before, you just get so many like social interaction experiences um, when you go into the public school system or any school system for that for that matter. You know, just mm-hmm. being in person with other people, like you're totally right. You actually have to talk to people. Wow, right? Like. You know, we haven't talked Whoa. to people in months at this point. That's new. It's, it's, it's you know, revitalizing to talk to people, right? Um, plus, like you said, you get all those added, like, responsibilities, right? Like, you got to get up. You got to go to class. You got to make gotta up, go to soccer gotta make practice. time for the bus, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got to remember, oh, I have a club after school today. Oh, I have practice after school today. All right. You know, I got to take the late bus home because, you know, I'm doing Can't. X, Y, or Z or whatever, right? Like, you know, these Can't forget my instrument for the fifth these, time. These are all different responsibilities you have that don't exist when you're in a virtual environment. And, I mean, they are really good things to learn, right? Because, I mean, you go to the workplace and what what happens, right? You got to be up on time for work. You got to, you know, make sure you have enough time for commute. You got to count for traffic. You got to remember your meetings, right? Like, there's a whole ton of stuff that you have to be able to do. And then, plus, you have to interact with people, right? So, it, it, it all helps. And these are really big things that, being at school in person helps with plus like you said there are other there are other issues as well you know like we already touched on like the food and the internet and um other aspects that are really helpful for being in person so yeah like uh, one thing i wanted to bring up real quick that tooth mentioned in the past in our past talk right now was uh the social program offer yes some of them you know specifically new york are extending these programs through virtual and through the pandemic right but i i guarantee there are some programs that unfortunately they get cut that a lot of students rely on like uh, sports like sports that's a big one a lot of you know i may not have been one of that student but i know a lot of students that actually look forward to sports believe it or not and they actually you know had a huge enjoyment of not only improving themselves but they got to talk to their friends their teams and make huge connections Another one is like music. You know, there's a lot. There, I know a lot of friends that were huge into music and they didn't just see music as, you know, like another responsibility, but they saw it as an expression of themselves or even a gateway to a new career. Talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that. And you, and especially in, in musical education and stuff like that, sure, you can do virtual, but it's not the same on hands on, one on one. And I think that's another thing I also want to lead on is like, like, I'll give you an example. I took, like, an entrepreneurship computer science type, like, class, right, in high school, right? That's really been, like, the proponent of, like, what I do now. But it's, like, if I took that class virtually, I kind of wouldn't have learned anything. It's kind of different when, like, I need to, like, watch the, like, senior developer. I guess you could call him a senior developer at the time, right? Yeah. Watch this senior developer just really start programming. I'm literally watching his screen and everything and watching how he moves with the keys you know, how he, can, how he, you know, searches up Google, how he does all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very different watching it in person than if I'm watching on a virtual screen because there's no way in hell I'm going to watch on the virtual screen or even understand what's going on, right? Yep. It's And it's, you get to actually see, you know, body language and, and feelings and everything that you don't get to see when someone's just controlling your screen and going, okay, so I went here, I did this, I clicked that, I clicked this. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's a different experience. I, I know too, I think mentioned earlier that you know, the, the quality for education could be the same, but I, I like to differ. I like to say, I think in some aspects, some subjects, uh, it is effective quality of education. And I think in some, um, in some subjects it could be, I guess, math or, you know, physical or instrumental. I think if you don't have those hands-on experiences, those actual in- physical involvements, uh, and you do it virtually, I think you dramatically, uh, dec- uh, uh, what's it called? decrease the quality of education that you're getting. I just don't think it's the same for many of the lessons you can do. And honestly, I attribute to that through some of the experience I had virtually compared to physics. You know, it's just not the same, at least from my point of view. 
you know, I know you guys may have a different opinion on that. I, I, I do think that virtual learning does have its place though, right? Now you guys I know, do think it has a place, yeah. You guys you guys you guys know I loved to take online classes in college. <laughs> I loved it. I do know that of you. I don't I didn't like to commute. I liked to be able to sit at home, wake up, do things when I wanted to do them. I learned everything on my own. Right? Like I like to be, to be self fair, I like that, to self learn. Yeah, to be fair, one of our degrees, you know, was really, it was, it had to be virtual, right? Just because we had so many other obligations, at least on my end, I had so many other obligations that I just couldn't physically be present on campus and physically be present everywhere else I needed to be at the same time. You know, for, since you love online classes so much, why don't you hit us off with some of the advantages that you think personally from your experience from online virtual classes? Okay, all right. So like, like I said, right, I mm-hmm. one, there's no commute, right? There's no, oh... 30 minutes, 45 minutes with traffic one way, maybe between an hour, two hours of commuting every day to school, at least in college. 100%. And, you know, even though my, my high school and primary educations were much closer to home, um, you know, I know a lot of people out, you know, in the Midwest, more rural areas, they have, you know, larger areas, uh, lar- larger areas for uh, school districts. So, I mean, some of those students might be traveling, you know, 30, 40 minutes one way for, to get to school. Um, anyway. Some of them have cars. So maybe they don't even have cars. Yeah, maybe not well, old a lot of the time they have a lot more of a, I guess, enhanced bus line than we have out here. Uh, I have some family that does busing out in you know more rural areas, and they have very large bus programs out there. They're working like a lot of hours with a lot of buses to transport people. So transportation is a huge cost for them in more rural areas. Um, anyway, besides from that, I personally like the ability to self-learn, and you know, I tend to pick up things pretty quick. I don't need like massively in-depth, um, you know, like reviews of everything. You know, if you kind of just point me in the right direction, I can kind of just pick it up and start doing. And that's how I like to learn, right? I like to build things and actually work on, work on a problem. You're more of a doer. You're more of a doer when it comes to learning. Whereas for me, I'm more of a, I'm more of a just observing. I like seeing the professor actually lecture or the teacher lecture because, you know, I learned better that way than rather than just diving deep into it, right? You know, no, I find that weird because I, I feel like I'm both. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's different, but I honestly feel like I'm both. I feel like when I'm starting something completely new, completely, like, foreign to me, alien to me, right? I'm gonna, I need to be an observer. I need to see it happen. Yeah. I need to see the process going, and I need to see that results can be made from that process, right? Yeah. But after a while, I have to I have to do it myself. I don't, for me... I feel like I don't learn unless oh, I run the steps to do it and achieve the same result, you know? So I guess I'm in the same boat with you because, like, I like the observing part, but I'm not going to sit 12 weeks and just observe what the hell they're doing, right? Yeah. I need maybe, I need maybe a day, a two, maybe a week or two to just fully pledge and understand what's going on. You know, and then I just jump. Then I jump in. It's kind of funny. Like, I know with a lot of, like, my CS classes in college, I'd be listening to some of my professors lecture, and then, like, as they're lecturing, I'm like, this is too slow. I need to just Google it myself. And then, like, I start, like, working on examples of this topic, like, while they're still lecturing, just because, like, I can't listen like that. Like, they just, it's just, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Like, I need to actually just work on stuff. Yeah, and to yeah. each their own, right? If you work better that way, go for it, right? You know, it's funny you say that for, because I know many examples from our time together in the education system where a lot of the times you have questions to me, it would be, it, the answer was provided from the instructor, gave the same example in class. <laughs> so, you know what I'm but, but to no, be like, fair, I agree with four, at four's point, right? There 100%. are certain classes, right, that move slower and that it could be a board. Oh, yeah, 100%. Out, right? There's definitely cases where, like, the, just the pace of it uh, slowed down. And I think that's an, uh, you can add it to advantage of virtual, right? I mean, like, in some aspects, the pace has to go to the slowest student, right? Yep. Like, if one mm-hmm. student doesn't understand, you know, that's that's not his fault. Like, certain subjects just don't click with other people, right? And they, But the whole group has to go back. But depending on the virtual learning program, it could you could set it up as, like, an individual thing where, like, everyone has their own path, right? The teachers check up on you every weekly or daily, and, you know, and you can ask questions during the sessions, you know? Once like you may be bursting through and the other student might be slowing down needs more hands-on time with the teacher and you know that's yep. that's fair mm-hmm. that's a huge advantage of virtual because you get to give each student their own dedicated time right yep. if you have a really smart student who's just killing it don't slow them down and lag them behind that you, like how you may have traditionally done in the fiscal classroom 
Give them more work. Be like, yo, here's here's next like three weeks of work. Go do not it. Even, right? Not even give them more work. Let them even help the other students. Enforce the learning you just taught. They just learn. And then and I always say, like, the normal rule I always say, if you can teach someone else what you just learned, you 100%. Yeah, that's, that's pretty point. much the that's I the, think that's, Einstein said that back in the day. Not in I had, words, but something similar. He probably said in old English. But, yeah. but that's pretty much the rule I always follow through. And that's pretty much the rule that, for me, has stuck true throughout all my years. This is why I, 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 was, always, I was always open to tutoring. And I was always open to do, uh, what's it called, helping others, my fellow students. Because not only did I feel good helping other people, but it was basically a reinforced studying. Like I, 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 I even hosted study sessions for finals. And a lot of people help. They said, "Oh, you're so you're so helpful for doing this. So thank you for helping me out." I know everyone was always like, "So thank you." I'm like, "I'm yeah, just doing it for the paycheck." I, I, I'm <laughs> doing it. I was doing it for the paycheck. It wasn't even a job for me. I was literally like doing a study session for a class that I was taking, and I was hosting my own study session for the final that I was about yeah. to take. But I did it oh, because yeah. I, I enjoyed. I, it was a reinforcement to me. If I can uh, teach people and even answer their questions, which I got a lot of. Then that clearly shown that I have learned the material. Yeah, and, and I think totally and I think virtual is also good in the sense that if you have other obligations, for example, a job, right? For 100%. example, you yes. run your own business, right? Maybe you're recording a podcast on the side, right? Who's like, doing that? Right? Yeah, I don't know what idiot would do that, right? No idea. Um, tell you. But like, you have that advantage of because of like you know, for said no commute, none of this like. Outer worrying about like all these external dependencies. You add time you can really to just, your day. You can yeah. really just sit down and do more things. Maybe you want to pick up on a book that you bought like a week ago that you want to just like read up on or something, right? Or study some obscure topic that you may be interested in. Like, what was like what happened in the year 1895, right? So it's like it lets you have that time to do other things. I think that's the biggest advantage of virtual. I mean, that's the biggest advantage if you think of way back in then before this whole pandemic thing, right? Think about, think back to the advertisements for virtual education in college, right? What was the biggest advantage they kept throwing at, at uh, people who, who were like thinking about it? The flexibility. Flexibility, 100%. A lot, I think just pop in any commercial for any online education. The number one thing they kept saying was, you can work and still get your degree. You can take care of your kids and still get a degree. Yep. You can create a podcast and still get a degree like it, it's this is the virtual learning as we saw has given kids to do the flexibility the problem i think is is the age group i always think walk back right mm -hmm. they have to have discipline to to actually do the your remaining time that you save oh, to do something for, to yes i've seen it firsthand with my little brother who's doing this right now he Fortnite? is yeah <laughs> this boy wakes up he wakes me up at 8 a.m right i'm trying to sleep through because i i want my i want my extra 10 minutes so i can so you know you know 10 minutes a lot in in it's the, a in lot, the it's a lot working. it's a lot when you start working <laughs> and he he's bugging me for that 10 minutes and i'm like i, I go downstairs i'm ready by 8 30 he's having his meeting for the first hour from 8 to 9 and then i have another one from 8 30 to 9 uh, uh 9 to 9 30 right I get up 11 around that time because I'm, you know, just had three meetings. Kind of tired. Want to get wide water? What do I see this kid doing? Playing Fortnite. <laughs> I'm like, don't you have school? Yeah, two hour break. That's what he does for two hours. So he has the, the two meetings. They just they basically just talk, and then they two hour they just talk play Fortnite. Yeah. And you know that that's that's the problem. Like, like, and, and, and you know, it's not his fault. He's a kid, right? Like, let's be honest. If one of us were in that situation, we're playing. Modern Warfare 2. Oh, of course. They're not. Every day of the well, week. Every day, man. Like, I'll be honest. Well, I'm like, going to do my homework first, all right? I would do my homework first. What if you didn't get the homework yet? Then I'm playing Modern Warfare 2. I got <laughs> you. This is, this is midday. This is midday. He hasn't got the homework yet, mostly. You know, he still has afternoon meetings he has to go to. That's probably when he gets his, like, big homeworks, like math and stuff like that. But, like, if you're waiting for a class or you're just, you know, you're feeling bored, you're going to play. And, you know, that's no fault to him at all. He's a kid. You know, Fortnite's right there, and this goes to, I guess, the disadvantages of uh, virtual. It's so easy to get distracted. It's super but there's, easy. There are advantages to virtual, like more sleeping. You know, like yeah. we've seen, yeah. these, like we've seen these studies come out year after year after year. At least for the U.S. Ooh. educational system, right? Like, it starts way too damn early, and it affects, you know, I'm the a health huge, of these students. Right? I'm a huge advocate of more time to sleep. Mm -hmm. right? Like, I honestly think that if we move an hour forward, back a little bit. I think that'd be 
the, the benefits, the health benefits of, uh, associated with that would be tremendous. Oh, my I, favorite holiday is coming up, daylight savings time in the fall, right? When you fall back an hour, I enjoy that hour of extra sleep, let me tell you. I feel like I time travel. I feel like I time travel, and I've and I just been blessed with an extra hour of uh, productivity. But then I don't wait, and I waste it. You, but, you, uh, mean, you mean you get to stay up an extra hour, right? That's what you're really yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're well, really I As a kid, that was always amazing to me, where you were like, you were like, you're, it's, it's I think, 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. again. <laughs> I'm playing Halo. It's 2 a.m. again. Yeah, you said I go to sleep at 3 a.m. I get an extra hour. You don't know how many times that excuse actually works. And he's like, damn, it is 2 a.m. still. Now that bites you in the ass in the spring, right? Where it's oh. like it's 2 a.m. And then all of a sudden you play one game. Now it's 4 a.m. But like, all good. Like, I mean, Yeah, but like, again, it, it's, it's it's the balance for two, right? Like. You know, virtual, I think you can get easily distracted, right? And, of course, that's different within the age groups. Like, I would hope a college-educated student, right, at that level wouldn't be so easily distracted. But, no, I mean, they will. They, they will. They will. They will. <laughs> like, but, you know, if he has a job, you know, which some people do at the time, you know, that's a really good advantage for him for virtual, right? He actually can still get his education and, you know, get the essential cash he needs to live, you know? Or he's a parent, who, you know? You know, watch over the kids. Like any of these things, if I say the flexibility alone is an advantage of virtual uh, learning. Well, let's take let's take the next five minutes, right? Let's talk about virtual colleges for a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of these articles. I'm sure you guys have seen it too. These students are pissed, right? Because the tuitions are the same, right? But they're not getting what they call "quote unquote" the college experience, yeah. right? Now, this is something us three realized a while ago. What we're really paying for is I'm not paying so I can play ping pong on the second floor of the library, right? I'm paying to get my degree at the end of the day, right? Oh, that was a good experience, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, like, <laughs> the point the point is a lot of students now are kind of realizing that, oh, shit, am I really just paying, like, 80 grand a year for, like, just this piece of paper that says I got a bachelor's? Yep. Right? Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, That's a you are. Like... Here's a news flash. Yeah, you are, right? Because you ha- you were paying for all of that other stuff, right? At some point, and I think colleges should take those fees away now. Now that you're virtual, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. definitely a big proponent of that. But the tuition that's twenty five, thirty, forty, fifty grand, no matter what school you go to, yeah, bro, that's just for the piece of paper you get at the end of four years. Yeah. Um. So it's like, I hope students get that realization now. And I think you may see a big change in college tuition prices down the line if depending on how, you know, rebelling these students are. Because we also hit an all-time high of students taking a gap year, of taking a a gap break, of not going to school because of this whole virtual atmosphere. Not even a gap break. I see a huge influx of students actually taking an alternative uh, learning program, sort of like like an online program, right? They take the gap year, but they do an online program where they, you know, uh, collect credits that they can use back in the degree. And it's cheaper than going through their standard uh, tuition in a college. Which is smart. Mm-hmm. Which is a smart move, right? If you if you have the ability to do so and, you Get know. Get those general education requirements out of the way. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, to, to their point, right, um, even though we're kind of unanimous on the idea that, you know, a tuition is for the education, I do kind of feel bad that they... A, a lot of students won't get that college experience, you know? Not enough for me to feel bad that they're still paying that much money. I mean, you should know what you're getting yourself into, right? But yeah. it's a, it, it is a, a distaunting thought that, like, a lot of kids, a lot of students, you don't know how long this pandemic might go. This can be another year easily. And yeah, they lose easily. A lot, another year of um, the college life. And I'm not just talking about, like, partying and stuff like that, but I'm talking about, like, actual making connections, like mm-hmm. network, you know, and they lose what could be a, a, a year of their of a, a valuable time of their life. You don't know that year they could have made that one connection with that friend that could have banned their whole rest of their life. They couldn't mm-hmm. know that they made that one connection with that teacher and over one moment that, you know, gave them that became their mentor over the, you yeah, know, at that same time, yeah. though, right? You also, it goes both ways, though, because, you know. Maybe if they didn't take that gap year, it would have been that extra year they went to school that made them that valuable connection, right? Like that's goes, a good point. That's a good point. It goes both ways. I think it's hard to really pinpoint like, oh, this this is truly a disadvantage to the student, or this is a truly advantage. I think it comes down to the opportunist in all students, one who really looks at the situation 
and takes the opportunity that he sees ahead of him. One who takes a uh, addition, uh, alternative education program, you know, gets more credits for less of buck, mm-hmm. and then you know, saves his money, and not the student who's just like, man, I'm sad. You know, I'm stuck personally, here. I'm not a What's big your... fan of gap years simply because there's there's an opportunity cost to gap years, right? So not only are you extending the amount of time before you get a job, but I always thought of it as, okay, I planned on working really hard to make sure I have a job right out of school. I'm anticipating making X dollars at that job out of school. And if I extend my graduation any further, that's time that I'm not getting paid that salary and my student loans are still ticking up in interest, right? So I'm looking looking even further. I'm looking at it from a pure financial standpoint, right? Think of it just the economy itself, like inflation, right? That one year or even a half a semester, tuitions can go up. It could. Right? As we know, tuitions go up at an incredible rate every year. Mm-hmm. You take that extra semester that or that or that whole year, you're paying what, two or three percent more now? Mm-hmm. Because now you're in one year later and now that tuition went up because you know inflation keeps rising and the tu- the rate of tuition also rises with it. Yep. You just you just paid more for no reason for a break. Mm-hmm. You know? So I have a counterpoint to both these points, right? Yeah. What what if you're doing something that is lucrative during your gap year? that solidifies your experience, right? Yes, how, you have... How lucrative are we talking about here? So, so we obviously have... The next know, mark? The, let me finish, okay. right? We obviously have, like, um, you have volunteer experiences that are, like, for personal enrichment and other sorts of aspects, which I think are fantastic. Like, if you join the Peace Corps for a year or something like that, I think it's amazing. I think you should definitely go for it, right? Mm-hmm. But I had a buddy of mine, right, at our university that we went to who was a CS major with us, right, but then he switched to entrepreneurship his sophomore year, but then he took a gap year. So I didn't see him all of junior year. And then all of a sudden in senior year, I see him again. And I'm like, bro, where the hell were you? Like you fell off the grid. He goes, I took a gap year, right? He started his own business, was running his own business. And he was making, he was a web, uh, he was a web consultant, a web designer yep. consultant, right? Yeah. And he was making anywhere between 60 to 80 grand um, a month, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, he, he was making, he was making money. He was doing what what we try to do once we graduate college he was literally doing it there and he and he came back to get his entrepreneurship degree to one solidify getting a degree obviously right but the second reason was to learn more about how to properly run his business so i think taking a gap year makes perfect sense in that regard because you're trying to understand right what is it do you want to do with your degree right Mm -hmm. you're getting like he was getting a cs degree he dropped a CS degree and went entrepreneurship because he's like, look, I already know this shit, right? Let me go and pick up some business skills so I can actually run a business, right? Which is a smart move on his end. And now he's running his own successful um, web uh, web consulting, web designing company based in Florida, and he's killing it, right? Yeah. I, th- I think it's a, like Forrest said earlier, similar to the situation of like uh, virtual. It's a it's a give or take. It, it, it depends on the situation, you know? There could be, like you said, one takes gap years for enlightenment or self-improvement, you know, and you know, that later down the line could be tremendous, huge growth, huge growth. You don't know that can literally change your life. No, it could. Right. Or yeah, like it could, it could literally change your life. Or like you said, it could be an economical pursuit of a business, your own personal business growing and becoming your own boss. You know, basically the ideal goal to the end of the degree anyway, to, you know, work a gap year to understand even if you don't do any of those two options just taking a gap year to understand what is it that i want to do with my degree you know but right? you really got to make it a point right you need yeah. to really have like a you need plan a finish for your gap year if you don't have a plan i feel it's probably going to be near worthless and you're going to really just lose out on time but it comes back mean, again to the opportunist of the other you, you, right? you need to know what you want to get out of that gap year and if you don't know then it's probably not for you one has to really evaluate what they're getting out of that gap year. Yes. If they're getting something like self-improvement or, uh, well, I guess, economical gain, then, yeah, it makes total sense to take the gap year. Again, there's still going to be risks. When does it know that the, the trip they go on was a complete disaster and they learned nothing? Or that, you know, they, the the business they started that they took a gamble on, they lose everything. And the buddy's so, business, he could have been losing twenty grand a month instead, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, it could so be. It's, like, why don't, why don't it's hard back, to Why don't more. we get back to the topic of virtual education? I have one more thing I want to kind of hit on here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go. Hit me so with let's let, let's talk about something we haven't really discussed yet. Um, 
you know, typically up till now, we've been discussing virtual education for your average student, right? But some yeah. of the students that will be most greatly impacted by this will be your special needs students, right? Yes. So yes. How, how do you kind of account for the needs of special needs students while also accounting for kind of the health benefits and the financial benefits of either going to the classroom or home from the classroom? Um, and then you've also got to keep in mind um, the health the health to those teachers, right? Typically, teachers can be a little bit older. Some, some of them are up in their 50s or 60s if they're nearing retirement. A lot of them can still be young, but a lot of them are older. Um, and typically, they are kind of up close and personal with a lot of your special needs students, right? They have a much closer relationship with them. Um, but usually, it's more one-on-one. Um, closer and you know they require more trust than you need with your uh, than with you know your average student so how do you kind of account for that type of relationship and you know that relationship might actually be higher risk for those teachers in those classrooms but I mean those students need those teachers otherwise how are they going to successfully learn right so this is it's another really kind of I would say even harder to balance topic what do you guys think uh, See, I think this goes back to ironically our future VR episode that we did I think really? a week or two weeks ago? Really? I think the best advantage for students like these is to really put them in that virtual reality environment of seeing their teacher in that classroom and maybe having some sort of touchpad or something that lets them touch something so that they know they're physically there, right? Yeah. I think that's the biggest way I see that happening because having these students, you know, learn from home and work from home and everything is very, very, very tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think also we should also keep in mind of the the student, uh, the teacher itself, right? This teacher could be limited to the tools that they have. Just like in, mm-hmm. in a physical classroom, a virtual classroom, they could be very limited. They might not be able to use software. Like, again, like you mentioned earlier, bureaucracy and sort of contracts prohibited him from using any other additional software, you know? Uh, and a lot of it, it comes down to, to just the creativity and the effort of the teacher at the end of the line. Like, mm-hmm. they may have to go the extra mile and above, yeah, you know, just to really provide that same experience. I've seen really good stories of uh, teachers really trying to increase the engagement, uh, increase the learning experience, even through an p- iPad, you know, enhance the classroom. It's coming out of their own pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel totally bad because I feel like the school system has failed. You know, these there are these teachers that are want to go the extra mile, but doing the work, uh, doing overtime, and at the end of the day, to they doing this out of their own self love to provide an extra education mm-hmm. to everyone equally. So, virtual classroom, you know, I either way, I think the school system should be supporting these teachers more. And I, I really hope we'll see a change. And like we know, it's not going to be a simple change, not going to be changed overnight, even with the pandemic accelerating everything. Mm-hmm. Then, right, we have seen firsthand that schools across the country are just not equipped uh, yeah. just to handle such a change. And, you know, we propose solutions as we talked earlier, but that doesn't mean it's the end all be all for yeah, these issues. Yeah. And I pretty much agree with you guys there. Um, I do think that more technology could possibly be leveraged to kind of increase the effectiveness of yeah. distance learning for special needs students. Um, and at the same time, I do think maybe, you know, even if your school is going virtual, maybe you could consider making your special needs classrooms the exception to the rule because. You know, having a handful of students, usually it's, you know, not that many students. So maybe 10 or less per one teacher if they're um, in a special needs classroom. Usually it's a lot less students per teacher. So maybe that's going to be okay, right? Maybe maybe classrooms of, you know, 20 to 50 per one or two teachers might be too many. But I think you can successfully, you know, make it safer with less students in the classroom. Um, especially when you have more teachers in that same classroom. So... I mean, maybe you could make it a little bit safer that way and then just offer normal classes um, to your special needs students. So so we're, it's a weird situation. Um, that's not going to be – it also depends on the – There's the, no clear-cut answer here. Yeah, no, it also depends on the, on the – what's it called? On the student itself and the type of vacation they need and also what, you know, what issues can arise from just even the standard virtual classroom, you yeah. know? And, you know, I find that – even like, you know, having that virtual reality experience like you're talking about, that might be tough, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, what, what if the student has a hard time with, you know, stuff on their head or is fidgety and doesn't want to wear the, the headset or yeah, doesn't no, want to hold the yeah. or won't pay attention, right? You know, this, these are all possible when you're 
working with uh, special needs uh, oh, students. So yeah, yeah, it's not the same. It's, 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 the same. it's much tougher, and I really think that that you know, there's no replica for that <laughs> teacher being in the classroom with the on hands experience and that you know, really well forged like trust um, that they often grow. Yeah, totally not. But so. anyway, guys, I think we are out of time. If my clock is correct. Yep. So just wanted to say thank you guys for tuning in to listening on our virtual versus physical education episode. Uh, we can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. We can't wait for here uh, for this episode to drop on Sunday. Please let us know what other topics you guys want to hear. Leave us a like, subscribe, like you know, like nine said at the beginning of the episode. We're on all major social media platforms as well as all major streaming and podcast mm-hmm. platforms. So look us up. Go to the four two nine podcast.com and just let us know what you want to see from us, right? We're excited to hear from you and stay in touch and follow our social medias because we have a couple interesting um, competitions coming up soon, which we would love for you guys to be a part of, right? Yep. But anyway, guys, this has been the 429 Podcast. I'm two. I'm nine. I'm four. And we will see you on Tech S Friday, number seven. Yeah. Later. Take care, guys.